We're all set. Thank you. Good morning. This service, I never see any visitors, which is nice, because we're all family here. We can look at each other. And the sermon this morning, as you can tell, is on the title of Refuel, which is the ultimate solution for the coming year. And my text is principally Psalm 119, but I do have some selected verses. Of course, you'll find it, as I mentioned earlier, off the record, you'll find this insert in the bulletin with the scriptures listed in the order in which I'm going to be sharing them in my, in my sermon. And of course, you have a sermon outline at the bottom for your easy reference. Now, this sermon promises to be the most important foundational sermon of the year, foundational sermon of the year. So dear Lord, this morning let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. You know, in two days we will start a new year, and we're all in the same boat. Everybody loves to celebrate the new year. We make New Year resolutions, but only 8% of the people who make them keep them. Every year, I have the same experience. I'm never higher emotionally, physically, and in some ways, maybe even spiritually, than I am during the holidays. But I don't mind telling you that I crash and burn when they're over. Experts are telling us that it's not in our head, it is the real thing. There is even a term for it. They call it social jet lag. You know, you've slept late, you've taken time off, you've enjoyed the parties, you've overeaten, you have played with toys, you've enjoyed the new gadgets, but now it's time to leave that holiday Disney world that you've been living in and come back to the real one, and then you realize just how tired you are. The holidays are over. You've been doing 90 miles an hour. You have left nothing in the tank. It's time to refuel, which is exactly the title of the sermon that I'm delivering this morning. And I want you to think about something. When it comes to a new year, there is one thing that we have no control over. And that is that it may be our last one. There is someone listening right now that sees the new year in, but they won't see this new year out. And we have no control over whether or not it's our last year. But we can control whether or not it is our best year. You know, one of my favorite places in the world to read about is Athens, Greece. In Athens, there are statues everywhere. You know, there was a man who lived in Athens hundreds of years ago, and he wrote that at one point there was more statues in Athens than there were people. And there was a statue there, and still is, called Opportunity, which was a statue of a person who had long flowing hair in front of its face, but was completely bald in the back. The point was... You could grab it when it was coming toward you, but you could never get a hold of it once it passed. 
And we should treat the new year just like that. You can grab the day that is before you, but once it is past, it is gone. And you should make the best of every day, week, month, and year. And to do that, you need to refuel. And that begins by making sure that your tank is full every day. And so today I'm going to share with you things that will absolutely, unequivocally recharge you, revive you, and re-energize you to not just experience life or endure life, but to enjoy life to its fullest. And it begins with what I am convinced is the single most important thing anyone can do if you want to make the most of every day that you live. It is something we can all do, and it is this. Read the Bible every day. I can bear witness that getting into God's Word has spared more heartaches, given more wisdom, protected far more mistakes, infused with more comfort, and provided more encouragement than anything we could ever do in our lives. But before I go further, I want to get honest. I want you to get honest with yourself. And we get honest with each other. If you're not in the habit of listening to what God has to say and letting God speak to you every day, one of the following must be true. And that is, you believe your body is more important than your soul, or you believe the physical and the material is more important than the spiritual, or you believe you can make it on your own and do life by yourself and you don't need God's help, or you believe that what God has to say is just not that important. And if you deny believing any of these things, then I have to ask you, why would you then not get into the Bible daily? So I'm going to attempt something today that an ancient writer attempted thousands of years ago. I don't know who he was, but he wrote the longest chapter in the Bible, and that is Psalm 119. Now, here's some interesting facts. Psalm 119 is found almost in the middle of the Bible. And the longest chapter in the Bible is basically all about the Bible. The psalmist takes 176 verses in trying to motivate us to get into the Word and to get the Word into us. And like him, I'm going to do everything in my power to motivate you to fill your tank with the fuel of God's Word every single day. And all it takes is three simple steps. First, look to the Bible. One thing the Bible has in common with every book that has ever been written is it is absolutely useless if it stays closed. You have a chest full of treasure full of gold and silver, but it does no good to anyone unless it is unlocked. And so the psalmist says in verse 8, I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. You know, there are more Bibles in print today than ever before. There are more Bibles in more people's homes and hands than ever before. And yet the vast majority of people who say they believe the Bible and love the God of the Bible are suffering from spiritual anorexia. You know, they're starving to death from spiritual malnutrition. There are treasure troves of truth in God's word, what he calls wonderful things. 
Boxes full of jewels that are just waiting to be mined. God just wants us to open our eyes to look at them and to do what you must, which is to read the Bible. And I want to challenge you with this thought. There is not a day in your life that you do not need to hear from God. There is not a day in your life that you do not need to listen to God. And the best place to be is in God's presence. And the best way to get into God's presence is to get into God's word. And let me tell you what a big deal it really is. When God was setting up the requirements for a good king, he gave these instructions. Deuteronomy 17, 18, and 19 states, <clears throat> when, he, when he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priest. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees. <clears throat> The king was required to make a personal copy of God's law in his own handwriting, and he was to keep it with him wherever he went. That would be like telling the president of the United States to write out a handwritten copy of the Constitution, carry it with him everywhere he went, and read it every day. And if God required that of a king the most powerful, influential person in the entire nation, how much more does God require that of you and me? If the king needs to hear from God to rule a nation, we need to hear from God to rule a life. And I can tell you that when you open this book and then you open your eyes to this book, God will open up principles and precepts and practices that will enhance you, enrich you, and enable you to be better than you ever thought you could be, to do more than you ever imagined you could, and to be happier than you ever thought you could imagine. And to do that, you've got to look to the Bible. Do you know one of the saddest things I've heard people say to me throughout my ministry? They will come to me when they hear me preach on something, or teach something, and they'll come up and they'll say something like this. I wish I had known that before I got married. Or I wish I had known that before I had children. Or I wish I had known that before I drew my first paycheck. Do you know what I want to say to people like that? It was all right there before you. You didn't have to wait on me to tell you. God was ready to tell you himself if you just looked into the Bible. Now, it's not just enough to look in the Bible. We must secondly learn from the Bible. You know, when you quit learning, you quit living. <clears throat> there are always new truths to learn, and you'll never know it all. There are no greater life's lessons to be learned anywhere than through God's word. And the psalmist goes on to say in verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. You know, one of the reasons why you need to always be continuously learning from God's word is because it is all truth. God's lessons. How to have a strong marriage. How to be a good husband or a good wife. How to be a wise parent and raise wise children. How to manage money wisely and well. How to find the right friend or how to be the right kind of friend. 
how to handle your enemies, and how to deal with conflict. Those lessons still work. In fact, this book is so great, and the truths are so life-changing that they will not only help you to learn how to live, but they'll help you to learn how to die. Listen to what the psalmist says in verse 33. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Now, what did he mean, follow it to the end? To the end of what? He meant until the end of life. You will find as you grow older that you will think more about dying. When you realize that there is less rope toward the end than you had at the beginning, and when you see how quickly that rope is passing through your hands, you start thinking about the day when there will be no more rope. And I'm not ashamed to tell you, if I happen to get to that point when I'm lying on my deathbed and the doctors and nurses have made it plain that there is basically nothing more that can be done, I want a word from the God that I am about to meet. My kids, my grandkids, are probably interested in my will. But I can tell you at that point, I am more interested in his will. And I want my life to have been filled with the lessons that I learned from looking at God's word. And may I just add a personal note for a moment. You know, there are times when people leave a church. And they will visit our church When I ask them why they're leaving their own church, they will say, we were just not being fed. I want you to hear me clearly. I want to feed you spiritual meat when you walk into this building. I try to keep my messages as full of the Bible and as close to the Bible as I possibly can. But if you are depending on me, For your spiritual feeding, I want to push back on that. Our three children learned to feed themselves when they were toddlers. We fed them for a little while, but we always had a goal, which was to get the fork out of our hands and into their hands. And if you're not being fed, that is not any pastor's fault. Primarily, it is your fault. It is not my sole responsibility to feed you spiritually. Ultimately, it is your responsibility to feed you spiritually. Now, you may have heard of a man by the name of Howard Hughes. At one time, Howard Hughes was the richest man of the world. And when he died in 1981, he was cared for around the clock by 15 personal attendants and three doctors. He had the best health care money could buy. Do you know what killed him? Malnutrition. He died thin, dehydrated, emaciated, and was a basic skeleton, despite all of his attendants, doctors, and millions in money. How could this happen? He got so obsessed and fearful of germs He would rather not eat food or drink because he was afraid it would kill him. And rather than risking getting germs from eating food, he quit eating altogether. And if you don't eat, your body will starve to death. And it's more true of your spirit and your soul 
And Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, I've read that many times. And I finally saw exactly what Jesus was saying. He meant what he said literally. You can physically survive on physical food alone, but you cannot truly live apart from the feeding on the word of God. And lastly, number three, live out the Bible. You can't just look at the Bible. You can't just learn from the Bible. You've got to go and live out the Bible. Psalm 119.9 states, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. You know, you can love the Bible, you can look at the Bible, you can listen to the Bible, you can learn from the Bible, but it will not change your life until you live out the Bible. Jesus' brother James wrote these words in James one twenty two: Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You see, too often we want to claim the promises of the Bible. We want to enjoy the blessings of the Bible. We want to draw comfort from the Bible, but we don't want to obey the commandments of the Bible. Well, listen, it isn't just enough to just listen to the Bible as you are driving down the road or listen to it as you read it for yourself or as I preach it. The Latin word for listen gives us our English word audit. And as you know, when you audit a class, you get the information from the class, but you don't have to do the homework and you don't do anything with what you've learned, so you don't get credit for the class either. Same thing is true spiritually. It is one thing to look at the Bible, and you should. It is one thing to learn from the Bible, and you should, but you don't get credit for that. You've got to put it into practice. You've got to live it out. You've got to obey it before it can become the power in your life that it should. And before it gives you the power that your life should have. That is why you really have to be honest with yourself and ask this question. What has the final say in my life and how I live it? When I am cornered, when I am forced to face reality, when my back is up against the wall, when I've got to make a decision in a given situation, who or what is going to call the shots? Is Hollywood going to decide what your sexual morality should be? Is Wall Street going to decide what your attitude toward money should be? Is the government, by what it says is legal, going to determine what you think is right? Or are you going to make up your mind that you're going to live your life not based on what an Oscar-winning actress says or what a powerful politician says but what, or what some financial guru says, but what God says. I read somewhere where somebody put it this way. Look to the Bible to be safe. Learn from the Bible to be wise. Live out the Bible to be holy. The next step I'm going to ask all of you is to unite together and to join me in doing something that many of you have never done. I'm going to ask you over the next 365 days just to read the New Testament. I'm not asking you to read the Old Testament, just the New Testament. 
Now, I want you to listen. Reading at an average rate, you can read the New Testament through in just 18 hours and 20 minutes. I'm going to make that easy. If you just read three minutes a day, you will have read the New Testament through in one year. Now, that is reading seven days a week. If you will take two minutes extra and read five minutes a day, Monday through Friday, you can take off the weekend and still read the New Testament through in a year. But this is important. I don't want you just to look at the New Testament. I don't want you just to learn from the New Testament. In the process, I want you to ask God to help you in the new year to live out what you read in the New Testament and to see the difference that God makes in your life and see how different your life will be. You know, Dr. Bart Herman is a distinguished professor of religious studies at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Some of you may have heard of him. He's very popular in certain circles. Dr. Herman tells the story of how he begins his university classes, and I want you to listen to what he says. He says, The first day of class with over 300 students present, I ask, how many of you would agree with the proposition that the Bible is the inspired word of God? All the hands in the auditorium just about go up. I then ask, how many of you have one or more of the Harry Potter books? The whole auditorium goes up. Then I ask, how many have read completely at least one Harry Potter book? Hands go up in the auditorium. Then I ask, how many of you have read the entire Bible? A few scattered hands, a few students here and there. And then he tells them, you are telling me that you think God wrote the Bible. I can see why you might want to read a book by J.K. Rowling, but if God wrote a book, wouldn't you want to see what he has to say? I agree with Dr. Herman. Why wouldn't we? Why shouldn't we? Why don't we? Beginning today. Amen? Service is over. So let's pray. My prayer, dear Lord, this morning is for us, to, as, as we go out from here to our homes, to our neighborhoods, and to our worlds, that we open your word, learn from your word, and live out your word, that we might test for ourselves that indeed your mercies are fresh every morning. We will praise you daily, you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our true God. Amen. Happy New Year. See you next week.